am Drina, and this is how I got here with Drina Whitfield. Today, we are talking with the amazing Dr. Lakeisha Hallman, a visionary entrepreneur and the founder of The Village Market, a social enterprise that empowers Black businesses and promotes cultural awareness through events and products. So today I'm talking with Dr. Lakeisha Hallman, CEO of The Village Market here in Atlanta. She's one of the most inspiring entrepreneurs I know. She's my birthday twin, and I'm so excited to have her here today. And because we're friends, I get to call you Key. Everybody don't get that chance. So, Key, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited. Yay, finally. I mean, we've tried to do this for about a year. You know, timing is everything. It's the perfect timing. <laughs> it's the perfect day for it, perfect season for it. So um, I start every interview with this question. It might stump you. It may not just because you're a key, right? Um, but when you were in high school, when you were graduating, what did you write in your high school yearbook when it said, in 10 years, I'm going to be blank? So that totally didn't stump me. Only because uh, <laughs> I actually... Uh, recently looked in my high school yearbook. I was working on an assignment. So okay. what I wrote so many years ago, not to date myself, <laughs> is that um, in 10 years, I will own a number of small businesses and I would have traveled uh, extensively to many countries. Oh, you already knew. I don't know how 18-year-old version of myself knew, but apparently, I don't know if it's an ancestral download, but somebody knew something, yeah. and it's it made me tear up a bit when I when I read that. Wow, like that's like just forecasting what you're doing now. Um, so you were raised in Mississippi. How did you end up settling in Atlanta and building your brand here? I am very fortunate to be um, from the state of Mississippi. I always let people people I know that. that. Yeah, very fortunate to be from the state of Mississippi. Um, but what what led me to being in Atlanta is because Mississippi, though, has a, a a great bandwidth for opportunity. When I was growing up and acceler accelerating, uh, Mississippi could not meet where I was in my life. I wanted to always be close enough to home and be able to see my grandmothers and grandparents in real time and my parents, my mother, who was living at the time when I made this move. So Atlanta was far enough for opportunity, but close enough to always be able to be less than five hours by car, one hour by plane, to be able to get home to my family. Mm. And what about building your brand here? When I moved here, I had no idea about brand and building anything. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad, you know, that's the word we use it now. But when, <laughs> when I moved from Mississippi, my aspiration was to be able to just expand in my creativity. Going to HBCU, I went to Tougaloo College. I learned a lot about what it meant to be Black in, in my fullness. And I learned about just so many amazing artists, so many amazing lecturers, things that had my brain just booming. And I wanted to be in a city that could reflect that to me. And when I got here, first, what I heard about Atlanta is that it could reflect all the things that I learned about. When I got here, it wasn't a brand that I was hoping to build. I was really myself that I was hoping to build and to grow into. But uh, as, as Atlanta does for everyone, Atlanta, when I got here and got my feet under me, I, I started to see what I wrote in my high school yearbook, that this was a place where I could actually open a business 
I was a teacher at the time, so opening a business is not what I I didn't I didn't have that vision. Mm-hmm. But being here and being in a place that's so ripe with small businesses and opportunities, then these visions came to mind of opening businesses and really expanding the work that I do beyond the classroom. It happened quite organically, but I can't tell you that there was a blueprint that I had or a 10-year goal that I had for myself in building a brand, a building identity in, in Atlanta. I just wanted to come here and expand fully in my being. You know, Atlanta is a magical place. Um, like, you know, it's where everyone who's Black essentially comes and feels like they can come and make it, and a lot of them do succeed. However, there's also a lot of I'm trying to figure out the right word. You know what I'm about to say um, when it comes to Atlanta. A lot of folks who are not legitimate business owners and um, basically it's just a lot of scammers here. So how did you navigate those waters first coming here um, to like launch your first business? And what was the first business? Yeah, so I believe almost any major city has many faces. Mm. And one of the faces of Atlanta, they're people who are not authentic. Those are people who we would consider a scammer. See, you said it a better way than I did. Because I love the city. Because I love the city. So, <laughs> And I want to make sure that people understand that Atlanta is not different than mm-hmm. New York, Miami, L.A., that there are always going to be different pockets of what a city possesses. And so it is very true that Atlanta also possesses the less authentic people. Mm. But also in Atlanta, there's a great deal of authentic people who came here and who would not allow their dreams to be deferred. There are people here, like myself, the dream was actually actualized in this city. I think what's different from Atlanta than other cities, that you can come here as a black person, as a black woman, um, whatever gender, whatever sexual preferences, you can be fully who you are in this city, have an idea, scale that idea. I don't think other cities really possess that. That's very true. In a sense of being blackness in your wholeness. Mm-hmm. Um, but as as far as me trusting this city with my vision. I didn't trust Atlanta with my vision. I trusted myself. I trusted myself to be a good steward of what I was birthing and making sure that people that I allowed in close proximity to this gift that I possess, that they were genuine people. So it's not a business that I presented to them. I presented myself. And through presenting myself, I had an opportunity to do some screenings, screenings of who people are and do I really trust who you are and your being in this place in your life. And as I built my ecosystem, since that's the word of the year, as I built my ecosystem, then I started to understand who were the people that could assist me in building the village market. But my first business before the village market was my consulting company, Phoenix Wings. That gave me my first tester of entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. clients, and, and learning that industry. And then a year later, I had the, vill- the vision of creating the village market. So how did you go from this transition from education to the village market? I was, and and I know that other, you know, especially classroom teachers who have other aspirations, it's hard to see yourself beyond the students that you love so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thankful that when I was actually physically in the classroom with students, that the only thing I wanted to do was be the best teacher they ever had. I'm grateful that I didn't have a double consciousness mm-hmm. of wishing that I was somewhere else. When I taught for the nine years that I did, the only thing I wanted to do 
was be the absolute best English teacher, best experience that these young people ever had in their life. That when they thought about many years ago, many years far beyond that moment, who was their best teacher? Maybe it's ego, but I want them to think about me. <laughs> I want them to think about the things that, you know, they learned from the classroom. When I got out of the classroom and started working with the department, Georgia Department of Education, I began to see the world more broadly in broader scopes of what it meant to look at a education system as a tool and vertical in a community. As I began to go to other communities across Georgia, I saw poverty in the same way I saw poverty in Mississippi. And I started to be inquisitive about how does a family beyond education get out of poverty? And my, my research led me to entrepreneurship and small businesses. I see that and still see that as a vehicle to change a, a family's legacy, thus change the community's legacy. Mm -hmm. And what opens there, who hires there in upward mobility in a more holistic way. From, from me digging and doing research and understanding economic development, upward mobility, that's when I had the vision of creating this village. That's when I had the, vi the vision of allowing my work to go beyond education, but to get in the heart of the community and to start building and helping uh, entrepreneurs and small businesses scale. Because what I do know about our people is that when we open, we hire folks that look just like mm -hmm. us. And we work extremely hard to make sure that our people have a livable wage and an environment that's conducive to their, their whole being of their families. Poverty was the thing. And my deep desire for us to experience a different life than many of us were birthed in. And I think entrepreneurship is a way to do it. Mm -hmm, definitely. But how, so you now have a retail space in Pont City Market. What did the early days of the village market look like? Stress. <laughs> like every entrepreneur, right. you, you get this, you get this idea. And somehow you're supposed to turn this idea that comes to your mind into a business. And now you're writing business plans that you've never done before. And you're negotiating contracts and pretending that you've done this your whole right. life. You act like it's not you who's pretending to be your administrative assistant, but it's you the whole time. Yep. It's you who's learning how to learn the world of social media and, and marketing and things like that. But it's typically a one-woman, one-man show initially. That's what the village market was in the beginning. It was I had an idea. I knew the idea was really ripe with opportunity. Um, but I, had, I, I did not know exactly what I had envisioned for myself. Mm -hmm. I had no idea it would boom into this thing that it has become. But in those early stages, it was me learning how to walk in it, learning how to understand the different people that I needed to hire to get the business off the ground and to really get the business, the, the, the village thriving. And it, and it started in the way that I was most comfortable gathering people in a space that we can learn. Mm -hmm. I was a teacher. I had years of experience of doing that. And so my my first tester in the community was getting people at my homegirl coffee shop so they can, um, so people from the community can learn about entrepreneurship. But I, I started where I was most comfortable, and that's in front of people in a space of teaching and getting other thought leaders in a space to also share their knowledge. I mean, I've I've been on calls with you and have seen you kind of like I you don't play. So that's, I'm, that's very true. And so, <laughs> yeah, 
you, you're the nice bubbly person, but when you get on the business calls, it's a completely different person. I'm like, oh, this is Dr. Holman. This is not key. Because like you said in the very beginning, it's just you like acting in all these different roles. How did you, you know, gain that confidence and like I guess that that um attitude to like approach these calls and walk and, and walk into these rooms and have meetings and facilitate deals that you've never done before. You know, I, I I'm very fortunate that we may do things for the first time in life, like create a business. For those who've been professionals for years, there you learn the confidence as you grow. Yep. And so I didn't have to, though I was building a business for a first time and I'm um, advocating for entrepreneurs for the first time, advocating for people was not new for me. I was one of the one of the first people in Mississippi with my good friend Carlos from undergrad that created the Juneteenth Festival for Mississippi. So being able to be mm. loud and proud and unapologetic, that's been running in my in my DNA and my mm. being. So I learned that language of when you come to a moment, you come to that moment. And even if you are not fully sure that you're you are negotiating this contract in in the, the best way you be affirming in what you know today mm-hmm. and, the, and give yourself the grace that that may change. But the reason why, you know, when we're on those calls together, the, what you see in me is I'm unapologetically for my people. Mm. I don't have to learn that. That's not the same as me talking about a business model. This is me talking about why black people should be front and center, um, why there should not be any barriers to our accessibility to be the greatest of this country. Because what happens when we are in our greatness, every community, not just the black community, every community prospers because of us. And we have so many examples of that. But there, Drina, there are moments though, when I was first learning how to walk into this entrepreneurship language, I had to talk myself up in the car. I had to talk myself up before I get on yeah. Zoom. And because even in your knowing, there's always a subtle voice that can be so loud and prevalent inside of you that's saying, am I truly worthy to do this work? Mm. Am, I, am I the best one for it? Should it be someone else here? And I really want entrepreneurs, and especially people who are thinking about entrepreneurship or thinking about being and answering their calling, I don't think there's ever a time when you're a thousand percent sure Without a doubt. I think there's always that that moment when you question yourself a little bit. The difference between those who question themselves 99,000% of the time versus that 1% is that we do it anyway. Um, I love when I, when I read things about do it scared. I've done a lot of things scared. It just doesn't look like I possess fear. At all. Even right now. And I know you. It just... All right, sorry, keep going. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's important, though, that we always have to pick pieces of ourselves up off the floor. Mm. Always. And we, we have to come to these moments as best we can to know that it is a privilege to be the one that's on a call. And that I need to be, I need to convey this message this time in the most concise way as possible so people are not confused about what we're working towards, 
while we're working towards it. And then for other entrepreneurs to know that you're not by yourself on this journey. So I am very grateful that it's me. I'm also very grateful that there are peers who help me show up fully to those moments, people like yourself, that it, my story is that I'm a story that it's never just me alone. This is my community, my village in the present. But I give so much reverence to the ancestors who made it very possible for me to sit in mm. seats and walk on stages and to negotiate with large corporate companies. I just know that I'm not in this space by myself. Yeah. And I love that. So, I mean, you've worked with more than 1,500 businesses and you've helped them facilitate, facilitate over mil millions of dollars in sales. Like, how? How, how is that possible? How, how have you been able to do that? It's, it's an interesting thing. I wish I had, like, the, the, the best academic answer. I don't have it. <laughs> so I'll, I'll try to work through this, this response. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I know that I knew to do was just to pull the greatness out of that entrepreneur. It was not something that I didn't have to be the person that made the sale. I had to pull the greatness out of that entrepreneur, that small business, so they can operate in their higher selves so they can make all the sales. And as far as getting the community to encapsulate small businesses around support and allowing support to truly be a verb, meaning you spend your money where your people are, I didn't pretend that that's what I was striving to do. I said that Black businesses deserve your money not deserve your money simply because they're black, but because they're black and excellent. Mm. And these products that you are getting are some of the best in the world, not just the best in Atlanta, not just best because they're black, best because they're the best. Mm. And, and telling you, you have to give, when you're in a space where you're trying to galvanize hope, galvanize action, you have to be clear on what the directions are. People shouldn't be confused. Spend your money where your people are. I don't know what's more clear than that. <laughs> Where your people spend your money. Right. And at the end of the year, and you, you're looking at your cash flow and where you spend money, if that money didn't trickle down to a black person, then my question is, are you really true to it? Mm -hmm. Very true. You mentioned, um, like, you, you're helping these black businesses, like, set them up for excellence. What does that look like? Uh, excellence uh, to, to for me and making sure entrepreneurs have everything that they need is challenging them to look at their systems, their operation, their customer service process, the quality of their products, their la their labeling. Is all of that the best it can be? Mm. Are are you investing the money where you should be investing your money? Right. Um, and and not just putting that charge to them, but at the same time, giving them the village to support them in operating in the, the, the highest of their customer service, uh, getting marketing and branding people out in the community, um, those who are like pillars in the community to share what they've learned in these bigger industries and trickle that down to a small business. So that comes to resources, technical assistance services, and things like that. One thing that I love about the village retail at Ponce is like when you walk in, you see this beautiful green wall with this highlight, this neon sign that says support is a verb. How did you go about identifying that as like your mantra, your mission? It's one of those organic things again. I was in 2016 when I launched the village market. I asked myself the question, what is it that I'm trying to employ to the community? 
what do I want them to do? Mm-hmm. And then what's the thing that can, like, stick to their ribs almost, that they can, like, oh, I, yeah, it is a verb. I get that. And what I wrote down at that time was just support. Mm-hmm. Um, but I even challenged myself further that it just can't just be support. Like, what are you telling them about support? Mm-hmm. Give direction. And then I, I wrote that it's a verb. It's an action. And so I tested it with some friends. I was like, you know, don't don't just gas me up. Is this good? <laughs> Would you wear this on a T-shirt? Uh, would you say this if you were in your meeting, if you were a nonprofit and you're trying to get people to support your organization, would you say support is a verb? And maybe they were gassing me up, Drina, but they said yes. They said that they would, that support is a verb was a thing. And I took it and ran with it. I village market, support is a verb, spend your money where your people are. There's enough for all of us. Those were the pillars of the organization. And we tested it again, like on a T-shirt, and folks loved it, and people started hashtagging it. And that's when I knew, I'm sure, just like Nike, just do it, that you you know for, you know in that moment, oh, this is exactly, yeah. this is exactly what I'm trying to echo to the community. And to me, support is very much so like love. It's a thing that we all need. It's a thing that on our best and worst day, it's the reason why we've been able to survive moments mm-hmm. because people have put some action behind that that support. What's your advice that you would give to entrepreneurs who may not have the support, who, like from their friends, their families, there's a lot of naysayers in their circle or just people that aren't fully grasping to their concept or their dream? You know, when you start a business, there's folks that either support you or and then there's folks that's like on that other shoulder, like saying not a single work. Like how do, what, what advice do you give them? That's a really great question. The the biggest advice that I would give those that people don't meet what they're sharing with them with the enthuse um, is to offer them grace. Mm-hmm. Offer them grace because people can only give you what they possess. And people can most time only believe what they've seen. And so if you're one of the first in your family to launch a business and everyone else has worked in a traditional work environment, starting a business feels like a sense of unsafety. Mm-hmm. And most families just simply want their people to be safe. Mm. Um, so I share that with entrepreneurs. Drive your best, and it's hard to not take it personally, but to realize that these may be my people for some things, but these can't be my people for this vision. Mm-hmm. Then go out in your community because there's other entrepreneurs. There's other peer groups out there. Um, they used to be called networking events. <laughs> go to those networking <laughs> events. I don't know what they're called now. But go to those events and find your people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that it's so easy to become disenchanted when who you thought your cheerleading squad would be your cheerleading squad and they're the quietest in the audience. The only thing that that is telling you is that they can serve me in some ways, but not for this. Mm. Doesn't mean you have to cut them off because they didn't believe in your business. Now, unless they need to be cut off other. (laughs) But if just because a family member or friend doesn't uh, support your, your, your business, people can only meet you from where they are. Go out and you find your people. But even in the, in the pursuit of striving to find your people and community, 
the greatest thing that you can do is build anyway. Mm-hmm. Build, refine your process, make sure that it possesses excellence because as you build, your people always come. And it's hard for someone, even if they want to, to not see greatness, even if they strive to kind of hate a little bit, even in the most hateration, you're like, yeah, that was dope. Yeah. That was good. And so for entrepreneurs, the thing that you can control is the greatness that you put into your product. Mm. Build with greatness. Your people truly come in the most organic and most authentic ways. And then you begin, you get to this place in your life where you look around. It's like, how? when did I build this village? You built it when you built your thing in such a way that people had to gravitate to it. But I go back to say how normal it is for the first people that you share your vision with, it's very normal for some that they can't see it. Mm. They didn't get the vision. They, tr- they were not trusted with the vision. And that we are created for our village to expand. And so this is only going to expand you to a greater version of yourself so you can do the work in a greater way than how you would if you only relied on that first community. I love that. They didn't get the vision. They didn't get the vision. Mm. And you did. What how amazing it is to be trusted in such a way to be given the gift to birth your vision and to build something that people are going to either utilize in their house, listen to on their podcast, or come shop from at Pond City Market. That's a gift. I love that. And I love that little drop you just did there. You know, that was smooth, right? (laughs) I'm learning. I'm learning. (laughs) Um, I really hope and this is because I just know things are happening. I really hope you have a podcast coming up and, like, you have a book because you are truly um, inspirational, insightful, and I I just feel like the work that you've, you've done here in Atlanta is amazing, but you're, you're moving into a national space now where I think it's going to just take you into a whole nother stratosphere. Um, so just talk to me a little bit about Elevated Cities. Absolutely. And, and thank you for that that compliment. It's so easy to skirt past it, you know, when people are feeding you with goodness. Mm-hmm. But I want to tell you, thank you for seeing me. Uh, and thinking about expanding the work nationally, during the pandemic, I launched my nonprofit, Our Village United, um, at a time when it was very necessary for Black businesses to have the resources that they need to scale yep. and grow. Resources the village, technical assistance to help you solve those small business problems and challenges, and then access to capital. All those things um, embody where our Village United is. And during that time, I created an accelerator program called Elevate. We started here in Atlanta. We work with over 100 entrepreneurs in the heart of the pandemic to ensure that these 100 businesses will stay open. Mm. What what happened, businesses scaled incrementally through the process, and that gained the attention of some national partners, such as MasterCard, who looked at the work that we were doing and said, you know, you all are really breaking the mold here. How do we become a part of what you are doing? And through probably a year and a half of relationship building with MasterCard, and I want to hope everyone hears a year and a half of relationship building. Mm-hmm. You have to know who you're in relationship with and not just jump into a relationship because it's a large corporate partner. It takes a while to identify 
can both people be trusted yep. with a community that is deserving of trust? Mm. And so it took us a year and a half to really navigate that relationship and see what it was going to be. And we came to a place that we realized that Elevate can become elevated cities and that we would target 10 cities that MasterCard were already working with in their In Solidarity um, initiative. So we, we decided to expand in those cities. But what has happened, Drina, we're expanding in those cities within two weeks from now. Um, but we've picked up even more cities just by releasing um, our marketing around what Elevated Cities is. That like we really? didn't have Chicago on, on the list. Now we have businesses from Chicago. We have businesses from Miami. Uh, we we have businesses from Charlotte, and these things were not a part of that our initial campaign for what elevated cities meant. And so we're excited that we're going to expand to a number of cities uh, across the, the United States. But what this tells me, though, is that across this country, Black businesses are simply saying, "I need community." Mm-hmm. Because that is, true. that is that when when black businesses take the time to complete an application while they're doing everything else to run their business, while they're doing everything else to take care of their families, that time that it takes to then complete an application is a is a, almost an outcry mm. that mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I need this. Yeah. And it's happening for us. We are, we know that we're feeling a need and we feel very fortunate to have partners that's going to make sure that the money gets there, that at the end of this program that we can offer grants, seed grants to entrepreneurs who are part of the Elevated Cities. But we're we're really excited about the expansion. One little small idea that happened during the pandemic. And now we can can say that we've, this program has expanded nationally. I'm excited for you. Yeah. It's going to be huge. This is, this is a big undertaking. I'm excited for my team and I who make it, make it very much so possible to do the good work. I'm excited. It's going to be a big deal. That and just other products you have coming up. Yeah, I, yeah, all of them is like amazing. I totally agree with you. So I have some quick fire questions. So I want you to just give me the first answer that you have off the top of your brain. How short is my answer? You know I can be long-winded. <laughs> is this like to the point? Straight to the point. Okay, it's a tweet. I got you. I'm ready. And you're good at your tweets. Yeah, see? you know, every Follow now on and Twitter. then. <laughs> Um, okay, so what's the last great book you read? Last great book I read. Mm, that was a good question. Great book that I read. Viola Davis's book was amazing. The name escapes me, but folks can find that. <laughs> Best advice you've ever received? Do it scared. Talking or texting? It depends on the person. Okay. of the people texting. Yep. I was going to say that. Um, What song would we be surprised you know all the lyrics to? Anything by Jay-Z. I'm not surprised by that, though. But everyone else would. They would, okay. Yeah. If there was one person you can go to lunch with, dead or alive, who would it be? I would absolutely love to go to lunch with Toni Morrison. Mm, Love it. So, Key, is the, did we miss anything? Any upcoming projects that you want to talk about? I don't think we missed anything. Um, What's one thing that you want people to, like, walk away from this podcast with knowing about you? 
there's two things that I want people, entrepreneurs to know, that there are organizations that every single day were dedicated to working towards your good and your greatness. So you don't have to build alone. Mm. If not with the village, there's someone in your community that's advocating for the best, for your absolute best. So look in your community, look more broadly, but you do not and you should not have to build this alone. And for the community, especially Black people, um, I, I'm hoping that from listening to this conversation that we, our consciousness shifts, that we don't support Black people in a time of reaction when something bad has happened in this country, mm-hmm. be, it a, be it a loss of a Black life or whatever it may be, that we don't support Black people due to heartbreak. We support Black people through a heart outside of the body. Mm. That if we support our people with love every single day, that everybody's lives change. And that is our responsibility as a people to consciously spend our money, share our talents, to take the things that we've learned and to ensure that it comes back to our community and it can recycle to create generational change. That's my hope for the community more broadly. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before we hop off, where can folks find and follow you? Sure. So people can follow, uh, especially entrepreneurs, um, Our Village United is Our Village United on all platforms. OurVillageUnited.org is the um, website for those who want to sign up. And for those who want to follow me, it's Dr. Key Hallman on all platforms. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you. You don't understand. I absolutely adore you, and I think you're just amazing, so thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yay!